Well, we got a crowd here this morning. We should have Father's Day more often. Happy Father's Day to everybody. Uh, everybody today, we're all celebrating that together, I suppose. Uh, but to our dads, we certainly uh, wish you all a happy Father's Day. And you can go ahead and open your Bibles to Genesis chapter 1. That's where we'll be getting started today. And I want to say a word of prayer. Then have just a little bit of uh, housekeeping. You might have noticed there's vacation Bible school going on this week. One person who saw uh, all the decorations in here said, uh, I think he said something to the effect, boy, you're going to have a lot of competition on Sunday morning uh, with everything going on around me. And I think Miss Lisa said that I should have a Mario hat on uh, today. So always appreciate Miss Lisa. I'm sure that's a spiritual gift somehow or the other, but I'm not sure what it is yet. Um, but do love Lisa. Uh, but it's good. To, it's good to see all of you. Hey, we um, we have some a gift for our fathers over over in the gym. There is a table that is set up, and our uh, special days team, particularly Miss Claire, took care of that. Appreciate her hard work in providing snacks, finger foods over there. But there's some coffee mugs uh, for our uh, dads, head of households. Please take one of those uh, home with you. It has a new life logo on there and you might say why don't you give us this stuff that has the new life logo on there and I begin to think why do I do that you know and I think part of it's because I, I love you and we love you as a church and when you love someone you give and that's what God uh, did uh, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son and I want you as uh, members of this congregation no matter who you are to know that you are loved by this church and by the people here at this church. And I also want you to know that, let's say you're sipping coffee out of that coffee mug and you see that, you see that logo on there, I want you to remember that you belong to a community, that you are not in this together. You're not in the Christian walk by yourself. You're not in this world by yourself. You are not in the faith by yourself. But we are together and you belong to a community that loves you. So I hope at least that some of these things that we try to give away and encourage you with will remind you of both of those two, uh, two facts. So uh, let's um, go to the Lord together in prayer. For all people walk each after the name of his God, but we will walk after the name of the Lord our God forever and ever. Oh Lord, give us grace that we might walk after your name forever and ever. That we might, Father, um, walk after that name and believing you to our dying day. And Father, walk after that name by proclaiming that name. The name of Jesus that is above every name. And as Brother Jacob said earlier, that at that name, every knee one day will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And Father, that will be to your glory. We gather today in that name. We will not wait until that, that time where we bow our knee. We will bow our knee now and we will lift high the name of Jesus now. Father, and I pray that that is internally and that is externally in our hearts, but also with our mouths. Because we confess with our mouth and we believe in our heart that Jesus Christ 
has been raised from the dead and lives eternally. Please bless me now, Lord, as I take us to your word and help me to communicate your word. And I pray your people be built up by it. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so y'all can tell that I came up with a real zinger of a sermon for uh, Father's Day, the sin of Sodom. Uh, Again, you know, I failed miserably with Mother's Day as far as having a zinger of a sermon for mothers, so I figured, hey, might as well fail even worse with uh, fathers. Um, I do hope that this will end up encouraging us somewhat, but with two weeks left in my preaching time before I take a break in July, there were a couple of things that I really believe that I need to address and try to help us with as a church. This week is going to be looking into the topic of what we celebrate in our country in the month of June. Uh, It's called Pride Month. And I want to uh, talk to you about this from the Scriptures, not so that you can win some battle with your words, but so that you can be unshaken in your faith, that no matter what this world says, no matter which way this world goes, that you will be able to stand on the solid rock of God's Word and not be moved from it. Though all else may be shaken, and though all others may go toward the world, let us be a people who stand on the Word of God. So I want to talk to you this morning through the Scriptures on that topic. And the next week, like I said, I'm going to be sharing a um, what I believe is going to be an important message for us as a church, but also, um, uh, especially, I say especially, but I guess I sort of have our young people in mind next week, but it is a message that all of us need to hear. All right, so let's get into this, folks. Um, you all know a lot about this uh, month. It's like it hits us in the face. On my uh, Google Calendar, June the 1st, I got a notification that uh, this is Pride Month, the beginning of Pride Month. And I thought, wow, this is crazy. It feels like every month this Pride Month in the United States, the way that things are uh, promoted, the way that they are. And um, we need to go back through the Bible and see what God says about these things. So I'd like to ask you, if you're not there yet, turn to Genesis 1. And we're just going to start here from the beginning. And please uh, be ready to turn and go to the next passage. I think I have most of what we're going to be looking at on your handout with the scriptures that are listed at the top there as we work our way through here. Genesis 1 verse 27. We see that the Bible says right here at the beginning of the book, for so God created man in his own image, in the image of God, he created him. Male and female, He created them. Alright, so right off the bat, we see that God in creating male and female has created them in His image. It is a reflection of the unity, but yet the plurality of God. God in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, three distinct, but yet they are one. They are perfect in union with one another. And here, male and female created in that way. And then the two shall become one flesh. We see that the two become one. And this is a reflection of the Godhead. It is a reflection of the unity of God. And we, uh, as we work through the Bible, we go to chapter 3 and we find that early on, right after the fall in, in um, Genesis 3, after... Adam had eaten of the fruit of the tree and Eve had been deceived and eaten of it. We find in verse 16 of chapter 3 at the end of it, 
Well, let's read the whole verse. To the woman, he said, I will greatly desire your sorrow. <clears throat> I'm sorry, that's not right. I will greatly multiply your sorrow and your conception. In pain, you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. There will, uh, for lack of a better term, be a battle of the sexes, apparently, between husband and wife. Your desire shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. Now we go to chapter 4, and in chapter 4 we find here the first murder as man against man. And here Cain kills his brother Abel in verse 8. Now Cain talked with Abel his brother. And it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel his brother and killed him. And now we go over in the Bible to chapter 6. Genesis chapter 6 verse 9. Here right before the flood. The Bible says this is the genealogy of Noah. Noah was a just man, perfect in his generations. Noah walked with God. And Noah begot three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. In verse 11, the earth also was corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. So God looked upon the earth, and indeed it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. And then in verse 13, and God said to Noah, the end of all flesh has come before me for the earth is filled with violence through them. And behold, I will destroy them with the earth. And now we go over to chapter nine. After the flood had taken place and Noah was on that uh, ark with his family for um, a year, just a little over a year, I think either a year or a year and seven days. But <clears throat> we go here to the, to the end. After this, and we find in verse 11 of chapter 9, Thus I establish my covenant with you. Never again shall all flesh be cut off by the waters of the flood. Never again shall there be a flood to destroy the earth. And God said, This is the sign of the covenant which I make between me and you and every living creature that is with you for perpetual generations. Verse 13, He says, I set my rainbow in the cloud and it shall be for the sign of the covenant between me and the earth. It shall be when I bring a cloud over the earth that the rainbow shall be seen in the cloud and I will remember my covenant which is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh. The waters shall never again become a flood to destroy all flesh. The, verse 16, the rainbow shall be in the cloud and I will look on it to remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is on the earth. And God said to Noah, this is the sign of the covenant, which I have established between me and all flesh that is on the earth. So you might see this uh, pride, not pride, but promise. You might have seen a meme. You might have seen something like that uh, in your circles. And that's the idea here. It's a promise that God has given through the rainbow. My daughter came home the other day and had a, a little streamer thing. It was on a stick. She was waving it back and forth and it had the colors of the rainbow on there. And as soon as I saw that, red flags went up. I'm like, whoa, whoa what's, this, what's this all about? And I think Sherry's like, don't, don't. 
it came from a birthday party is to remind them of, you know, the, the, the promise of the rainbow. All right. So that's kind of the way that our society has become because of this. You know, uh, we see different things and those and that goes comes to mind. So this is the promise. Uh, and let's let's all just be reminded this morning that this is what the rainbow is about. It is a reminder to God that He will never destroy the earth again by a flood. He's not going to do that again. But you better know, and we all better know, that there will come a day where He will destroy this earth with a fire. It is going to happen. It is going to occur just as surely as the flood came to begin with. Now, let's continue on. In chapter 11, we find here the Tower of Babel. And just very quickly in verse 4, it says, And they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city, a tower whose top is in the heavens. Let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be scattered abroad over the face of all the earth. So the Tower of Babel is what we see often now in our day, a desire to make a name for ourselves. Let's take in our Bibles and go to chapter 19 of Genesis. Here in chapter 19, we come to the uh, destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. And really, we're going to be in chapter 18 to start with here. Because in chapter 18, God talking to Abraham, dealing with him, and uh, he says in verse 17 of Genesis 18, And the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham what I am doing? Since Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. How are they all blessed in Abraham? They are blessed in Abraham through Jesus Christ, who came from Abraham. Genesis 12 is still being fulfilled today. All of the Bible is the fulfillment of the promise made to Abraham in Genesis 12. From that point on, it is happening. And now in verse 19, he says, For I have known him, I have known Abraham, in order that he may command his children and his household after him, that they keep the way of the Lord to do righteousness and justice that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has spoken to him. Now, if you wanted a Father's Day sermon, there's one right there in verse 19. And all of us fathers need to heed and listen to the things that are found in 19. God knew Abraham for the purpose of commanding his children after him, not as a tyrant, not as a dictator, but as one who teaches them what? And to keep the way of the Lord. Amen. I want to ask you this morning, are you teaching your children? Are you commanding your children not to keep your way, but to keep the way of the Lord. And are you teaching your children and guiding your children and your household not in the way that you think is right, but in the way of righteousness and justice that is according to God's way? Are you? Is the Scripture your guide? Is the Scripture what is your Standard in verse 20, he says that, and the Lord said, because 
The outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is great and because their sin is grave. Now let's go over to chapter 19. Two angels go down into the city and they appear to be men. And here's what happens when they go down into that city. Lot takes them in. That righteous man Lot dwelt there in that place in verse 5. After they had gone into Lot's house, it says in verse 5, um, Let's see, verse 4. Now, before they lay down, the men of the city, the men of Sodom, both old and young, all the people from every quarter surrounded the house. And they called to Lot and said to him, Where are the men who came into you, came to you tonight? Bring them out to us that we may know them carnally. So that we may know them. They're talking about knowing them in a sexual way. And anyways, uh, what ends up happening here is that this city, along with other cities surrounding it, are destroyed because fire and brimstone comes down out of heaven and God destroys them. The sin of Sodom is the sin that we see celebrated in the United States of America in the month of June. That this is the heart of it. This is the this is this is found this is it right here. And I want to show you another passage rather than going chronologically through this, there's one that we need to see in Ezekiel chapter 16. If you'd please turn over there with me. Ezekiel chapter 16. <clears throat> I know this is a lot of lot of lot of verses, but we'll see how far we can get with this. You can look the rest of them up if we don't get get to everything. But Ezekiel chapter sixteen, this is rather ironic as we look at this, because what what is happening here is God is compar- comparing the sin of Israel and Judah, or the sin of uh, Judah, to what He says. Your sister Sodom. All right? So you got this, this sin of Sodom in Genesis 19. And now, many years later, when Israel and Judah have gone away from the Lord, God compares their sin with the sin of their sister Sodom. And here's what he says Look, verse 49. Everybody got it? Look, this was the iniquity of your sister Sodom. She and her daughter had pride, fullness of food, and abundance of idleness. Neither did she strengthen the hand of the poor and needy. And they were haughty and committed abominations before me. Therefore, I took them away as I saw fit. Let's turn back in our Bibles and go back to the book of Leviticus. Leviticus chapter 18. In Leviticus 18, verse 22, we're going to move real quickly now through these next verses. So be ready to go there. Hope you have your Bibles with you. Not sure why you're here if you don't have your Bible. Uh, Luke chapter 18, verse 22. It says, You shall not lie 
with a male as with a woman, it is an abomination. Leviticus 20, verse 13. If a man lies with a male as he lies with a woman, both of them have committed an abomination. They shall surely be put to death. Their blood shall be upon them. Now, Deuteronomy 23, verse 17. Deuteronomy 23, verse 17. And this has to do with the worship of other gods. Uh, There shall be no ritual harlot of the daughters of Israel or a perverted one of the sons of Israel. All right, now. I want you to just kind of note that phrase, perverted one. Because as I look to the footnote of my Bible, it has there the Hebrew word is Kadesh. And it means one practicing sodomy and prostitution in religious rituals. So a someone who practices sodomy is someone who commits the sins of Sodom. So that which is found in Genesis 19, sodomy is that sin. All right? Now, let's move from there and go to Judges chapter 19, verse 22. Judges 19, verse 22. It's a great encouraging Father's Day sermon today, I know. Genesis nineteen twenty two. I'm sorry, Judges, Judges. Thank y'all. Y'all correct me anytime I say something stupid up here as far as references go. Judges nineteen verse twenty two. The, there's going to be the word perverted in the New King James in this verse as well. It may be worthless men in some of your translations, but it is the word. It's a different word than what we just saw. Kadesh in Deuteronomy twenty three. This is the word Belial. Uh, In verse 22, as they were enjoying themselves, suddenly certain men of the city perverted men. And it literally means good for nothing. Uh, Worthless men. Perverted men surrounded the house and beat on the door They spoke to the master of the house, the old man, saying, Bring out the man who came to your house that we may know him carnally. So you almost see a reenactment here of the sin of Sodom in Genesis 19. And then there's a lot of events that unfold after that that I'm not going to get into. Please please hang with me as we work through these. Now, the next one is Judges 20, verse 13. Now... Now, therefore, deliver up the men, the perverted men who are in Gibeah, that we may put them to death and remove the evil from Israel. But the children of Benjamin would not listen to the voice of their brethren, the children of Israel. So the perverted men, just to make this clear here, the perverted men are men who wanted that that man in the house in Gibeah to come out that he may that they may know him carnally, fleshly, sexually. And the Bible here calls them 
worthless men calls them perverted. All right, now let's move on from there. And again, that word is Belial, and it means literally um, of no value. And it's also found in 2 Corinthians 6, verse 15. Now, if you take your Bibles, go to 1 Kings 14, 24. 1 Kings 14, 24. I think we're making good time here. 1 Kings 14, 24. <clears throat> we're going to really move fast through these. Verse 24. And there were also perverted persons in the land. They did according to all the abominations of the nations which the Lord had cast out before the children of Israel. And that's what they were warned against in Leviticus 18. In chapter 15, verse 12, 1 Kings, it says, And he banished the perverted persons from the land and removed all the idols that his fathers had made. And then in chapter 22, verse 46, And the rest of the perverted persons who remained in the days of his father Asa, he banished from the land. All right. So you see, again, these perverted persons uh, remaining there. Now, if you go in your Bibles to second Kings 23, verse seven. Second Kings 23, verse seven. Josiah is king at this time. He's cleaning up the false worship that's found there in Jerusalem, even in the house of the Lord. And in verse 7, you can remember back to Deuteronomy 23, 17. But he says, Then he tore down the ritual booths of the perverted persons. What is the perverted person? It is one who practices sodomy and prostitution and religious rituals. Then he tore down the ritual booths of the perverted persons that were in the, where? In the house of the Lord, where the women wove hangings for the wooden image. So we see the worship of false gods, I guess of Baal. And part of that was this worship uh, of them through the act of sodomy. All men for all Men walk each in the name of his God, but we will walk in the name of the Lord, our God, forever and ever. We must remember that. Now, let's go in our Bibles to, to the uh, book of Job. Job chapter 36. Job 36, as we go into the poetry literature. <clears throat> Verse 14. Tell you what, let's skip over that one, okay? You got that one. Go to Romans chapter 1, please. Romans chapter 1. We're running out of time. Romans 1. 26. Well, we'll look at a couple of verses here. If you're a little bit familiar with this chapter, you know that man has... Um, has suppressed the truth of God in unrighteousness. And let's see what happens. What is the end result of suppressing the truth of God 
in unrighteousness. As we'll pick up at verse 24. Uh, well, 23, they had changed the glory of the incorruptible God into the image made like corruptible men and birds and four-footed beasts, animals and creeping things. Verse 23, therefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness in the lust of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves. Verse 25, who exchanged the truth of God for the lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. Verse 26. For this reason, God gave them up. That's the second time we've seen that phrase. God gave them up to vile passions. For even their women exchanged the natural use for what is against nature. Verse 27. Likewise, also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust for one another. Men with men committing what is shameful and receiving in themselves the penalty of their error, which was which was due. Verse 28. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind to do those things which are not fitting, being filled with all unrighteousness sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, evil-mindedness. They are whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, violent, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful 23 things who knowing the righteous judgment of God that those who practice such things are deserving of death not only do the same but also approve of those who practice them and we live in a country right now where our leaders approve of the of these things in large part now, take your Bibles, please, and go to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. First Corinthians 6. <clears throat> All right, so in 1 Corinthians 6, Paul's obviously writing to the church in Corinth here. And... Um, he says to them in verse 9, 1 Corinthians 6, verse 9, Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites. There's two words here. I'm not going to get into it a lot this morning at all. But the homosexuals and the sodomites deals with the homosexual relationship. Typically in those relationships, there's a, like a female side and a male side. And that covers both of them. Verse 10. Nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. 
Verse 11. And such were some of you. But you were washed. But you were sanctified. But you were justified. In the name of the Lord Jesus. Jesus. 